Real Estate Reckoning with your host, Doug Wolf. This is Doug Wolf, and thank you once again for joining our podcast, Real Estate Reckoning. Just a quick disclaimer before we get into our topic today, and that is that I am a licensed realtor in the state of Virginia with Redefy Real Estate. I'm a principal broker. And so some of the topics that we do discuss may or may not pertain specifically to your state or your country. And so we want to make sure that you do realize that if you have legal questions, you need to seek legal counsel. I am not giving any type of legal advice, just some real estate ideas. Once again, may or may not pertain specifically to your state or country. So let's get right into our topic. So today we're actually talking about real estate contracts. And when we think about real estate contracts and the terminology and the language that falls into that, we need to recognize that there are certainly more than one type of real estate contract. It can be a listing agreement between a seller and a listing firm. There can be a sales contract, which is going to be between certainly sellers and buyers. Buyer agreement, where we talked about buyer broker agreement in one of our previous podcasts, and that is between a selling firm and a buyer, someone who uh, would like representation in the purchase of a home, just like a seller gets representation in the listing of a home. And then, of course, there's a, a lease agreement, which has to do with uh, rentals and uh, renting a property between a, a landlord and um, a tenant or a property manager and a tenant, a property manager and a landlord. So there's a couple of different types of agreements on, on that aspect as well. But specifically today, we're going to be focusing on a sales contract, uh, an, an agreement between a buyer and a seller. And as I said a little bit earlier, I am a realtor. And so the National Association of Realtors defines a contract as a deliberate or a voluntary agreement between two or more competent parties based on legal consideration to do or refrain from doing some legal act. And so when we're looking at this, it's going to be between a buyer and a seller. We're looking to move forward with the purchase and the sale of real property, real estate, and, uh, and it's very specific to that property. So that's what we're going to focus on today. Some of the things we're going to talk about, we're going to talk about offers. We're going to talk about ratification. We're going to talk about contingencies, and we're going to talk about settlement date and what that means and some things that you need to be aware of for each of those different ones. And we'll spend a little bit more time on some than others. And please understand, when I teach contract training, either with the GRI um, or through a quick start program at our local Realtors Association, when I teach this, this is generally a... a, a probably two days of, of six hour classes, but I'm teaching it to realtors that are supposed to be being able to explain it to you and uh, the buyer and the seller, the consumer. And hopefully they have the knowledge that they need to be able to explain it in a way that you understand it. That makes sense. That puts your mind at ease to know that you're working with a professional. And that's my job as a as a trainer, as an instructor, to make sure that people understand what it is that they're helping their client get into. So let's talk about this. Is a real estate contract legally binding? Um, does it have to be? 
in writing to make it legally binding? And the answer is it is legally binding, but it has to be in writing to be enforceable. And that is called the statute of frauds. Statute of fraud says it has to be in writing to be enforceable. So you can have a legally binding contract that's not in writing, but it's not enforceable. So really how good is it? So please make sure that anytime that you're in any type of dealings, especially with real estate, that everything is in writing. And uh, that is what's going to make it enforceable. Some of the aspects of a real estate contract include what's called consideration. Consideration is the purchase price, how much you're willing to pay for the home. Some people get consideration confused with escrow. And those are two different things. Um, escrow is money that the seller gets to hold to be able to say you're a serious buyer. And so we want to make sure that we're not confusing the two because at least in Virginia, can you, can you make an offer on a home and not offer any escrow money? Can that still be a contract? And, and of course, yes, you can. If the seller is willing to allow you to purchase their home without putting up any escrow, that doesn't substitute for consideration. Consideration is still the sales price. What it is that you're willing to pay for the home is the consideration. That is something completely different than holding escrow money. Okay. So make sure that you're very clear on the two differences and what that means. Let's talk about the, the price though. So, can a buyer offer a different price than what a seller has it uh, advertised at? Well, of course they can. The seller is put it out there at the listing price. The listing price meaning here's how much we'd like to sell it for. Here's how much we're offering to sell it for. And so a buyer can come in and they can say, you know what? That's not what I want to go with. I want to go with something less than the listing price because the seller is putting it out there as an offer to sell and the buyer is putting it out there as an offer to buy. And if the two worlds come together, then we have what's called a ratified contract where everyone agrees to all of the terms of the contract, the way that they're currently written and have been proposed. And we're able to move forward at this new price, which means that the listing has died and the purchase agreement has taken over the listing contract essentially no longer exists. And we have a purchase agreement that now exists and it is the, the current document that everyone will be working from. So let's get back to it. A buyer is making the offer and the seller accepts it. Okay. Now we have a ratified contract, but let's go back a little bit more. Say the buyer makes an offer and it's in writing. What options do the seller does the seller have with that offer? Well, the seller can certainly do nothing. The seller can accept the offer. The seller can reject the offer. The seller can counter the offer with something different. Not just the price could be different. It could be concessions that could be different. The settlement date could not work for them. Maybe they want a different settlement date. Um, who knows? It could be a number of things. Maybe the contingencies that are in there which we're going to talk about contingencies in a minute, maybe those don't agree with the seller. And so now they want to renegotiate. They're countering the offer, 
We don't have a ratified contract yet, so we're really not renegotiating. We're just going back and forth until everyone agrees and we have a ratified contract or everyone agrees and we just go our own separate ways and we don't have a ratified contract. But those are the options that a seller has. What are the options that the buyer has? What, what are the options that the buyer has? The buyer's made an offer and the seller now is maybe sitting or thinking about it, what have you. While the seller is deciding, the buyer can withdraw their offer. So Mr. Seller, don't take too long or the buyer might find a better deal might change their mind while you're thinking about it, while you're waiting for maybe some other offers to come in over the weekend, and you're just kind of sitting on it. It's a lot like Shark Tank. If you're familiar with the TV show Shark Tank, a lot of times somebody will, Mr. Wonderful will make an offer, and the, uh, the, the guy, uh, the entrepreneur, sits there and he dances around with it, and all of a sudden Mr. Wonderful says, you know what, I'm going to reduce my offer now because you took too long, or I'm going to take it off the table completely because you took too long. And that can still, that can happen with the buyer too. The buyer can make their offer and say, Mr. Seller, you took too long. And they take it off the market. They take their offer back. Then they go and they find another house. So sellers don't be greedy. You've got an offer on the table. Does it work or doesn't it work? Make your decision, make your decision, whatever you do, make sure it's in writing. If you decide to counter it back, counter it back in writing. Don't make a phone call to your realtor and say, see if they'll do this. Okay, that's not how we work. That's not how we do business. This is a big deal. It's a legally binding document that we're working from. We need it to be countered in writing or accepted in writing. And we need to move forward with it being in writing so that it is enforceable. Because we talked about the statute of frauds a couple of minutes ago. It has to be in writing to be enforceable. Okay. So let's say that it is, it's accepted or back to it's a ratified contract. Now we've got one of the, probably the most confusing aspects of a contract um, to a lot of people, including realtors. And that is contingencies, contingencies in a contract. Once a contract is ratified, meaning that all parties have agreed to all the terms, including that it has contingencies in writing, it's time to start removing the contingencies. Okay. So what is a contingency? Well, a contingency has to meet three rules to be a contingency or it's not a contingency. It might be a provision of the contract, a term of the contract, but to call it a contingency would be incorrect because that's not what it is. If it doesn't meet these three rules, not just one of the three, all three collectively. Number one, it has to favor one side over the other. The contingency has to favor one side over the other. Number two, it has to have a specific timeline. It has to have a timeline when it begins and when it ends. Number three, it has to have a remedy. It has to have a clear definition of the contingency has been removed. And so we are moving forward with a fully enforceable contract that doesn't have this contingency anymore. So it has to have a clearly defined remedy. So let's take a, a typical contingency that we run into a lot. And that would be a property inspection where a buyer decides that I want to buy this house, but I want a third party to come in and I want them to do uh, an inspection of the property uh, and I, I want to learn more about this property. So a property inspection contingency, that's what we would call it. A buyer and seller have a ratified contract 
and it's contingent on a satisfactory property inspection for the buyer. That's what we have right now. So obviously who does it favor? Clearly favors the buyer. The buyer actually has the ability to walk for any reason based upon that home inspection contingency, that property inspection contingency, even if they just got cold feet. Now I changed my mind, right? Because we're getting ready to talk about it. The timeline allows them that ability. The timeline that is written into the contingency allows them the ability to walk away from the deal based upon the property inspection contingency. So we know that it favors one side over the other. It favors the buyer. We know that there's a timeline, a timeline where he has to, the buyer has to have the inspection done within that timeline and has to submit either the release agreement. I don't want to buy this property. They don't have to give a reason. It could just be cold feet or I want these items fixed and then I'll move forward and that would remove the contingency or which is also remedy, the remedy of the release agreement, the remedy of the list of items to remove the contingency or the buyer says, everything's great. I like the house just the way it stands. I'll take it once again, boom, done within the timeline and the remedy is accepting it in its current condition as is. And then they move forward. The contingency is removed. And now we have, let's pretend that that's the only contingency. We have a fully ratified contract with no contingencies. In our market, that would move it into what's called a pending status. If it has the contingency, it's still active in our market with a contingency, which means that it has a ratified contract on it, which is kind of questionable as to how could it still be active if it still has a ratified contract, but that's just how our MLS guidelines work. And everyone's agreed to those types of terms to allow it to continue to be active with a contingency, even though it already has a fully ratified contract on it with it, with certain contingencies, it's not necessarily pending yet. So some different things going on there, but as far as the contingency of a property inspection, we can see all three of the rules are met in that situation that we just went over. Be sure to read. If you're a buyer or a seller, be sure to read the contingency and all of the aspects that make up the timeline and the remedy. How are you going to remove this contingency and can you do it within the timeline that, uh, that you've agreed to? So those things uh, come into play most definitely. All right, let's move into another part of the contract that uh, we run into our most questions. And that would be the settlement date, the settlement date or closing date, the date that you get the keys. And if you're the buyer and the seller gets your money, and uh, the real estate agents get their commission. So that is the settlement date of the closing date. There are some, some things that you really need to know about the settlement date. Remember, there are a lot of moving parts in a real estate transaction and every part depends on a human being doing their job in a timely manner. Okay. Think about that. A lot of moving parts in this transaction and pretty much a hundred percent dependent on humans doing what they're supposed to do in a timely manner when they're supposed to do it and get their job done. So we're babysitting that constantly as realtors, making sure everybody's doing what they're supposed to be doing. And that includes buyers and sellers that they're doing what they're supposed to be doing moving forward. 
Buyers and sellers need to look at the closing date, the settlement date, as the bullseye on the dartboard, right? Ideally, we hit the bullseye. Ideally, we hit that specific date that is written into the ratified contract. But there are certainly different factors that can affect everything about this settlement date, about this actually happening. So please, buyers and sellers, be prepared to close before or after the settlement date. Recognize that different things come into play with this and we could have an opportunity to close early, which you should move forward with that if you can. But at the same time, the settlement date may come and go and we're gonna need a few more days to fix something. Okay, so you need to learn more about that. Talk to your realtor, ask questions. You could certainly call me and, and ask me specifically about that. I'm not going to beat that horse too much. The main thing you need to remember about settlement date is be prepared to go a little early or to go a little late. Right. Understand that, you know, in most cases, your realtor is not going to be a lawyer. Right. You can ask them legal questions they're able to ask, answer your legal questions inside of the scope of the transaction. They're walking, they're holding your hand all the way through this. They're helping you understand what the contract says. They're possibly helping you write additional verbiage into a legally binding document. That's what a lawyer does. We're allowed to do that. Realtors are allowed to do that inside of the scope of the transaction. But some realtors it might be outside of their scope. So they need to be really careful. And in some cases you might need to seek legal counsel from a lawyer, even inside of the scope of the transaction. So be prepared for that, depending on what the situations are. Okay. Um, realtors cannot give you any legal advice outside of the scope of the transaction. Once this home closes, they can still be your friend. They still represent you. What you shared with them that's confidential remains confidential, but you can't ask them legal advice anymore because we're not in the scope of the transaction anymore. The, the home is closed and that eliminates the realtor's ability to give you any kind of legal counsel whatsoever. So lawyers, uh, uh, I'm sorry, realtors have to be very, very careful of that. And you as a buyer or a seller have to recognize the limitations that are put upon us. We do not have a law degree in most cases. You might run into a realtor who has a law degree as well. Great. Um, hopefully you're able to ask them some great legal counsel and they'll certainly share that with you. So the most important idea to take from this podcast is for you to know what you or, uh, or are, what you are agreeing to or not agreeing to. Okay. Understand what the contract says. Understand what you're signing, right? Make sure your realtor knows the contract. Make sure your realtor knows the contract. You're depending on them to give you proper legal counsel inside of the scope of this transaction. What you're agreeing to is a legally binding document if it's in writing and it's going to be enforceable. So be careful, be careful, be prepared that sometimes just because it's in the contract, the timelines are going to change. You're going to need to be a little flexible. Okay. So my name's Doug Wolf. I am with Redify Real Estate. I'm a principal broker. I'm also a contract trainer with uh, our local Realtors Association and uh, Alpha College of Real Estate. So uh, 
I know a little bit about this, and I do a lot of training on this. You are more than welcome to give me a call, 757-515-4728. That is my direct cell number. Or you can certainly uh, visit my website, bettercalldoug.com, and uh, you can shoot me an email from there or dwolf at redify.com, wolf with an E, and at redefy.com, where we do flat fee full service Listing transactions for $3,000 flat fee on the listing side. So if you're a seller, you should be calling me and asking me questions about that and take advantage of that. We save people thousands of dollars, if not tens of thousands of dollars um, every day, every day. So uh, wrapping this up, thank you so much. We will be back soon with another podcast. Uh, we've got some interesting things coming up, so please stay tuned for that. Thank you so much for attending our podcast today.